Hey, Bible, y'all. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Bible Y'all podcast for Monday, November 20th. Happy, beautiful day, which is a day to celebrate things of beauty, because beauty surrounds us. It's in music, pictures, flowers, girls, and everywhere, really. Oh, easy for you to say, Bible Y'all Paul. You live in paradise. That's true. I do. Floridia ain't perfect, but it's pretty darn good. But you know, I've been places, and everywhere's got something to brag about. If you want to see beauty, you can find it course, not everybody does. Want to see beauty, I mean. You ever see any of them old Soviet-era buildings in Russia? You notice how ugly and domineering and depressing all the architecture was? Well, that style is called brutalism, and it's like that on purpose. Or how about how dog-ugly and pointless a lot of modern art is? And you ever heard any anharmonic jazz? What some people call discordant jazz? It's every bit as upsetting as them god-awful Russian buildings. So, how come them B-system types want to push ugliness worship so hard? Well, cause beauty gives people hope. And hope tends to turn your focus towards something greater than yourself. The beast wants you locked in a small, self-centered world, where whatever your problems are today, this is as good as it gets. It's your best life now. But it ain't. Your life can get better, especially if you totally let go of it and focus on God. Seems counterintuitive, I know, but Jesus himself said you gotta lose your life to find it. If not now, certainly when you go to heaven, if you pledge your trust and loyalty to Jesus. Having trouble finding him? Well, try looking at the beauty in the world he gave us. Whether it be a sunset, bluegrass music, or a pecan waffle from the Waffle House, God loves you and wants you to be happy. And frankly, it's kinda disrespectful of us if we don't even at least try to be. Our reading for today is Ezekiel 40, 28 through 41, 26, James 4, 1 through 17, Psalm 118, 19 through 29, and Proverbs 28, 3 through 5. So if y'all are ready, it's like my dear departed mother used to say, beauty is only skin deep, but ugly goes straight to the bone. But before we get to the reading, let's me and the squad do a review of yesterday's study. Okay, so yesterday, on November 19th in the Old Testament, we read Ezekiel 39.1 through 40.27. And in chapter 39, he's still prophesying against Gog. And he says, I will turn thee back and leave but the sixth part of thee. And the Septuagint and Vulgate translate the sixth part of thee as lead thee along. And the idea is God is in control of it. The players have no choice. And the whole thing goes badly for Gog and he falls in Israel. And the point is, God shows up and everybody knows it's him and worships him, or at least shows him some respect. And in verse 6, it says, I will send a fire on Magog and among them that dwell carelessly in the isles. And I've heard it preached that them that dwell in the isles means us here in America. And I can see that, but I doubt it. But a lot of people think this describes nuclear war. And there's a strong case for that. In verse 9 and 10, the Israelis are able to collect up all the weapons left over after the attack. And this supplies their energy needs for seven years. Now, this might refer to things like massive oil tankers captured after the battle, but Chuck Missler says that this passage might refer to captured nuclear weapons that they convert into fuel rods for reactors, and he would know. In verses 14 and 16, the Israeli government will hire full-time professionals, what it calls men of continual employment, to oversee the burial and decontamination work. And if a citizen finds a piece of bone or something like that, they don't touch it but they mark the spot and call in the pros to deal with it. And what they do is bury it in the valley of Hamangog, 
which means Valley of the Multitudes of Gog. And according to Chuck Missler, it's downwind of all the population centers in Israel. So God sets up this giant battle by making the Russians, or maybe the Turks, gang up on Israel with everybody else. But God miraculously intervenes and knocks all their nukes out of the sky and rescues Israel, and they finally turn to him, maybe. And then in chapter 40, we have a new vision. In the 5 and 20th year of our captivity, in the 14th year after that the city was smitten, Zeke has another out-of-body experience. He says, God brought me into the land of Israel and set me upon a very high mountain, by which was the frame of a city on the south. It wasn't actually a city. It may have been a portrait of a city, or it may have been a city under construction, depending on who's translating. But behold, there was a man whose appearance was like the appearance of brass, as in bright and sparkling, with measuring tools in his hand. And he starts measuring out the temple and the courtyard and stuff. And Zeke gives a very detailed description down to the porch and the guard chambers. And that's about where we stopped in verse 27. And I'm sure every single detail is just swimming in hidden meanings and symbolism that would be fun to dig up. So y'all go ahead and do that like I wish I could do, but I got to go to bed at some point. Then, in the New Testament, we read James 2.18-3.18. through 3.18. And whichever James has been talking about how faith without works is probably not really faith at all. And he challenges the guy with no works to shew me thy faith without thy works. Can't do it, can you? How about I shew thee my faith by my works? Good works aren't proof of your faith, but they are evidence. And then he says, So you say you believe in God. Well, whoopee for you. So does Satan and his demons. And they're probably more scared of him than you are. Hmm. Just believing in him ain't enough. You have to believe on him. Like when Paul told the jailer, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved and thy house. I can see an airplane and I can believe I can travel safely in it. But until I sit down and it takes off, I haven't put my faith in it. That's faith without works. And he gives some examples of people being justified by works and faith. Like Abraham when he offered Isaac on the altar. And Rahab the harlot when she received the messengers and sent them out a different way. Then in chapter 3, we change gears. He says, My brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. In other words, be not many of you teachers, because that's a lot of responsibility, and God will hold you to account for the things you teach other people. That's why whenever you hear Bible Y'all Paul's crazy theories, you got to go look stuff up for yourself. Don't take my word for nothing, because words have power. And just like we control horses with a bit in their mouths, or a giant ship gets steered by a little rudder, so the tongue has quite a lot of power over your destiny. So don't curse men with the same tongue you bless God with. It defiles you. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. But the wisdom that is from above is pure. Woo! Yes. So, like we said, faith without corresponding action isn't faith. And I love the example of Rahab. She grew up hearing about the powerful God of Israel, and it was just a matter of time before they were at the door. Rahab believed the God of Israel was good. I believe that's why she lived on the wall, to watch for those spies, to watch for that God that she knew was coming somehow. She believed. I think she acted on her faith long before those spies arrived, and that's what put her on God's radar to get her out. Our God is always looking for opportunities to show himself strong, and without faith, we can't please him. And then in chapter three, it starts out with something like, so if you want to be a teacher and you want the status of a teacher, then bridle your whole body and demonstrate the gentleness that comes with heavenly wisdom. 
Then James, James, whichever James, addresses the tongue. It's like a rudder directing our life. It can't be tamed from the outside. What's in our hearts in abundance will move that rudder. The heart tames the tongue. The heart abundantly full of the word of God, that will change the tongue and the direction or impact of our life. And I have a testimony on this. Before I accepted the Lord, I had a bad temper and a bad tongue. Well, I had quite an experience maybe within a year or so after salvation, after reading my Bible, my new Bible, after studying it and fellowshipping with friends over it, my new life, it truly was a new life. One day I was driving and a car cut me off in traffic. Well, I opened my mouth with purpose and nothing. I had nothing to hurl at the offender. I literally had no words to shout. My heart, my mind were separated from the world during that time. No secular music, no TV, nothing that would help to maintain my old language, my old vocabulary, if you want to call it that. It was an awesome experience. Kind of funny, too, because I wasn't alone in the car. Anyway, I really did get a new heart. Far out. Yeah. And then in Psalms, we read Psalm 118, 1 through 18. And that's probably David, and it's a call and response psalm. Basically, O give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, because his mercy endureth forever. And verse 6 says, The Lord is on my side, I will not fear. What can man do unto me? Well, man can kill you, but that's about all. And then only if God allows it. And verse 8 says, It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. Well, obviously, true story. And then he praises God for getting him out of some tight spots, probably with Saul. And that's where we stopped. Yes, that sounds very King David. And then in Proverbs, we read Proverbs 28, 2, which says, For the transgression of a land, many are the princes thereof. But by a man of understanding and knowledge, the state thereof shall be prolonged. And that's really weird language. But what he's saying is, when the leadership is sinful and unstable, you end up with a lot of political turmoil and turn over a leadership. But with a wise ruler, you have stability. And I'm pretty sure Solomon wrote this one yesterday after watching the giant monkey stick fight that is our government. (laughs) Well, the princes and the princesses ruining our land don't want to take their hands out of the cookie jar. Yeah, it's about to get interesting. But that's the end of our review of yesterday's study. Thanks for your help, babe. Our reading in the Old Testament for November 20th is Ezekiel 40.28 through 41.26. And he brought me to the inner court by the south gate, and he measured the south gate according to these measures, and the little chambers thereof, and the posts thereof, and the arches thereof, according to these measures. And there were windows in it, and in the arches thereof round about. It was fifty cubits long, and five and twenty cubits broad. And the arches round about were five and twenty cubits long, and five cubits broad. And the arches thereof were toward the utter court, and palm trees were upon the posts thereof and the going up to it had eight steps. And he brought me into the inner court, toward the east, and he measured the gate according to these measures, and the little chambers thereof, and the posts thereof, and the arches thereof, were according to these measures. And there were windows therein, and in the arches thereof round about. It was fifty cubits long, and five and twenty cubits broad. And the arches thereof were toward the outward court, and palm trees were upon the posts thereof, on this side and on that side, and the going up to it had eight steps. And he brought me to the north gate, and measured it according to these measures, the little chambers thereof, the posts thereof, and the arches thereof, and the windows to it round about. The length was fifty cubits, and the breadth five and twenty cubits. And the posts thereof were toward the utter court, 
and palm trees were upon the post thereof, on this side and on that side, and the going up to it had eight steps. And the chambers and the entries thereof were by the posts of the gates, where they washed the burnt offering. And in the porch of the gate were two tables on this side and two tables on that side, to slay thereon the burnt offering, and the sin offering, and the trespass offering. And at the side without, as one goeth up to the entry of the north gate, were two tables. And on the other side, which was at the porch of the gate, were two tables. Four tables were on this side, and four tables on that side, by the side of the gate. Eight tables, whereupon they slew their sacrifices. And the four tables were of hewn stone for the burnt offering of a cubit and an half long, and a cubit and an half broad, and one cubit high. Whereupon also they laid the instruments, wherewith they slew the burnt offering and the sacrifice. And within were hooks, and hand broad, fastened round about. And upon the tables was the flesh of the offering. And without the inner gate were the chambers of the singers in the inner court, which was at the side of the north gate, and their prospect was toward the south one at the side of the east gate having the prospect toward the north. And he said unto me, This chamber, whose prospect is toward the south, is for the priests, the keepers of the charge of the house. And the chamber whose prospect is toward the north is for the priests, the keepers of the charge of the altar. These are the sons of Zadok among the sons of Levi, which come near to the Lord to minister unto him. So he measured the court an hundred cubits long, and an hundred cubits broad, four square, and the altar that was before the house. And he brought me to the porch of the house, and measured each post of the porch, five cubits on this side, and five cubits on that side. And the breadth of the gate was three cubits on this side, and three cubits on that side. The length of the porch was twenty cubits, and the breadth eleven cubits. And he brought me by the steps whereby they went up to it. And there were pillars by the posts, one on this side, and another on that side. Chapter 41 Afterward he brought me to the temple, and measured the posts, six cubits broad on the one side, and six cubits broad on the other side, which was the breadth of the tabernacle. And the breadth of the door was ten cubits, and the sides of the door were five cubits on one side, and five cubits on the other side. And he measured the length thereof, forty cubits, and the breadth twenty cubits. Then he went inward, and measured the post of the door, two cubits, and the door six cubits, and the breadth of the door seven cubits. So he measured the length thereof, twenty cubits, and the breadth twenty cubits before the temple. And he said unto me, This is the most holy place. After he measured the wall of the house six cubits, and the breadth of every side chamber four cubits, round about the house on every side. And the side chambers were three, one over another, and thirty in order. And they entered into the wall which was of the house for the side chambers round about, that they might have hold, but they had not hold in the wall of the house. And there was an enlarging, and a winding about still upward to the side chambers, for the winding about of the house went still upward round about the house. Therefore the breadth of the house was still upward, and so increased from the lowest chamber to the highest by the midst. I saw also the height of the house round about. The foundations of the side chambers were a full reed of six great cubits. The thickness of the wall, which was for the side chamber without, was five cubits. And that which was left was the place of the side chambers that were within. And between the chambers was the wideness of twenty cubits round about the house on every side. And the doors of the side chambers were toward the place that was left one door toward the north, and another door toward the south. And the breadth of the place that was left was five cubits round about. Now the building that was before the separate place at the end toward the west was seventy cubits broad, and the wall of the building was five cubits thick round about, and the length thereof ninety cubits. So he measured the house an hundred cubits long, and the separate place, and the building with the walls thereof an hundred cubits long. Also the breadth of the face of the house, and of the separate place toward the east, and hundred cubits. 
and he measured the length of the building over against the separate place which was behind it, and the galleries thereof on the one side and on the other side, and hundred cubits with the inner temple, and the porches of the court, the doorposts and the narrow windows, and the galleries round about on their three stories, over against the door, sealed with wood round about, and from the ground up to the windows, and the windows were covered, to that above the door, even unto the inner house and without, and by all the wall round about within and without by measure. And it was made with cherubims and palm trees, so that a palm tree was between a cherub and a cherub, and every cherub had two faces, so that the face of a man was toward the palm tree on the one side, and the face of a young lion toward the palm tree on the other side. It was made through all the house round about. From the ground unto above the door were cherubims and palm trees made, and on the wall of the temple. The posts of the temple were squared, and the face of the sanctuary, the appearance of the one as the appearance of the other. The altar of wood was three cubits high, and the length thereof two cubits, and the corners thereof, and the length thereof, and the walls thereof were of wood. And he said unto me, This is the table that is before the Lord. And the temple and the sanctuary had two doors, and the doors had two leaves apiece, two turning leaves, two leaves for the one door, and two leaves for the other door. And there were made on them, on the doors of the temple, cherubims and palm trees, like as were made upon the walls. And there were thick planks upon the face of the porch without. And there were narrow windows and palm trees on the one side and on the other side, on the sides of the porch, and upon the side chambers of the house and thick planks. Our reading in the New Testament for November 20th is James 4, 1-17. From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence even of your lust that war in your members? Ye lust and have not. Ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. Ye fight and war, yet ye have not, because ye ask not. Ye ask and receive not, because ye ask amiss, that ye may consume it upon your lusts. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God. Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Do ye think that the scripture saith in vain, The spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy? But he giveth more grace. Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Be afflicted, and mourn, and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning, and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. Speak not evil one of another, brethren. He that speaketh evil of his brother, and judgeth his brother, speaketh evil of the law, and judgeth the law. But if thou judge the law, thou art not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Who art thou that judgest another? Go to now, ye that say, Today or tomorrow we will go into such a city, and continue there a year, and buy and sell, and get gain. Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor, that appeareth for a little time, and then vanisheth away. For that ye ought to say, If the Lord will, we shall live, and do this or that. But now ye rejoice in your boastings. All such rejoicing is evil. Therefore to him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not, to him is sin. Our reading in Psalms for November 20th is Psalm 118, 19-29. Open to me the gates of righteousness. I will go into them, and I will praise the Lord. This gate of the Lord into which the righteous shall enter. I will praise thee, for thou hast heard me, and art become my salvation. 
The stone which the builders refused is become the headstone of the corner. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day which the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Save now, I beseech thee, O Lord. O Lord, I beseech thee, send now prosperity. Blessed be he that cometh in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you out of the house of the Lord. God is the Lord which hath shewed us light. Bind the sacrifice with cords, even unto the horns of the altar. Thou art my God, and I will praise thee. Thou art my God, I will exalt thee. O give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. And our reading in Proverbs for November 20th is Proverbs 28, 3-5. A poor man that oppresseth the poor is like a sweeping rain which leaveth no food. They that forsake the law praise the wicked, but such as keep the law contend with them. Evil men understand not judgment, but they that seek the Lord understand all things. Okay, that's got it for the 20th. Okay, y'all, let's do our 30-second meditation. Because it's Thanksgiving week, I thought it'd be appropriate to show some gratitude for this country, because so far it's the best one in history, and I'd like for it to stick around just a little longer. So today's prayer is on Leviticus 19.15, which says, Ye shall do no unrighteousness in judgment. Thou shalt not respect the person of the poor, nor honor the person of the mighty. But in righteousness shalt thou judge thy neighbor. So hit the 30 second back button on your podcast player a few times and meditate with me for a little while on gratitude for America's founding principles. Because prayer is the heavy artillery in the armor of God. So if you're ready, let's go. Father God, the first settlers in America made a covenant with you to expand the gospel and the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. Guided by principles in your word, they sought to create a dominion in which you rule and all people, rich and poor, weak or mighty, come before you in equality. This was never done before or since. Our hearts are heavy, Father, that so few of us are capable of living up to those standards. We humbly ask that you lead our nation back to you and heal our people. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, that's all the Bible yalling I got for you tonight. Thank you, Father, for letting us study your word and for the gift of salvation through your Son, Jesus Christ. Please bless and keep everybody listening and let this podcast be helpful to them somehow. Amen. You can find us on Podbean, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon, Google, CastBox, and Facebook. If you like Bible Y'all and you want to support it, best thing y'all can do is to pray for me and Bible Y'all Squall and all our friends and family. And if you got any prayer requests, email them to BibleYallPodcast at gmail.com. Otherwise, just go on out and try to make the world a better place. And if you can't make things any better, just don't make them any worse. Thanks, everybody, and God bless y'all. Hey, Bible, y'all. And a cubit and a hat. And a cubit and an And there was an enlarging and a winding. This is hard.